in the new market, you're the new kid on the block. Uh, there are different cultures uh, or cultural aspects to doing business abroad, different ways of approaching people, and that's massive learning. But I think at the end of the day, if we understand the human nature, human relationships, I, I believe we start in a, in a very good way. podcast that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here speaking and well today I'm really pumped because we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics, building a network. The hardest part is probably to start from scratch. You know it, I know it. So how do you start building influence in a new market to scale your revenue? Well, Carlos Montero my guest of today, CEO and founder of Evolve, will answer that question. As a Brazilian who moved to Denmark, he had to learn how to network and build relationships to make a living. It worked so well for him that he founded several businesses to leverage his networking strength. And today, he's sharing a few tips with us. Hi, Carlos. I'm so happy to welcome you here on the International Corner Podcast. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Thanks. And thanks for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. So right now we are recording this episode and you're based in Denmark, I, I believe, but you're also Brazilian, right? Yeah, correct. Um, I'm, I actually, I was born and raised in Brazil and been living in Denmark now for, for nine years, nine, and, nine years and a few months. <laughs> Amazing. And today we are going to cover a topic uh, around influence, around networking and how hard sometimes it is when you start, especially in a new market, to create this uh, influence and this network to obviously uh, at some point scale and bring more revenue. Mm -hmm. But perhaps before getting into today's matter, can you start by introducing yourself a little bit, your background and, and evolve the company that you actually founded? Sure, sure thing. And uh, once again, thanks very much for, for having me. So myself, Carlos, Carlos Monteiro, been uh, living in Denmark uh, for about nine years. I think the easiest or maybe the long story short is that, well, I'm a father of two girls, uh, Inez and Cecilia, respect, uh, Inez and Cecilia, nine and seven, respectively. Uh, you know, half, Danes, uh, half Danish, half Brazilian girls. Um, and the reason why I moved to Denmark is because I married the Danish woman uh, whom I met at the Danish government back when I was in Brazil in 20 or actually 2009, uh, I'm afraid. I was an intern there. And so my role at the, at the Danish consulate was, uh, besides brewing coffee and washing fruits for our consul, was also to help Danish companies to enter the Brazilian market. And so... Um, that was a great experience because I understood the value that the government can can bring to companies. Uh, a few years later, so I graduated um, graduated in business administration from the Catholic University in Brazil, even though I'm not a Catholic. Uh, when Inez was about six months and I, I finished my graduation, we, we came to Denmark. And uh, when I arrived here, uh, basically, I I didn't have friends like I you know all all the friends I had were her family, 
we lived in my in-laws uh, at their residence for about eight months. So I created a blog upon my arrival. It was called DenmarkBrazil.com. And the reason why I created that blog was that I started um, studying about um, digital marketing. That's how we used to call digital marketing. Maybe we, people still call that. Uh, and I wanted to position myself as an interesting foreigner in Denmark so I could be hired and I could find a job. Um, I remember having a friend who worked at LinkedIn. And this friend of mine said, this is not, let's say, l properly legal what I'm going to do, but I'm going to give you a list of companies that are hiring internationals and you know like because they have so much data and that was back in 2013 so mm -hmm. he shared a list with me of companies that would most likely hire people with my profile and i started applying sending emails and whatnot to all of these companies just to be rejected i sent over 300 emails uh spoke with over 600 people um, and I would always hear the same, you know, like we don't have a position for Brazil now, uh, you know, uh, fast and forward to my blog. I, I was writing content about business in Brazil on that blog. And I think the main differential of uh, that blog, if you ask me today, is that I was um, creating video content with several of my friends back in Brazil. Uh, and I was publishing that content on YouTube, yeah? Uh, but then I realized that, well, the blog had some traction uh, to a certain, uh, at a certain point, I remember having almost 2,000 unique visitors for like a really niche sort of, you know, uh, um, blog, which ideally was people from Denmark and Brazil, right? That was denmarkbrazil.com. Um, but the blog taught me a lot and it taught me about content. It taught me about, um, influence. It taught me about uh, being perceived as, as an authority and, and earning the status of a, a journalist when you want to talk to people. And from that rejection that I, 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 I just explained, like not getting a job, I started also having a presence on LinkedIn because as I couldn't find a job, I was like, I either go back to Brazil or I changed my approach because just sending emails, talking about, you know, I'm this guy who has this experience and I can help you with business development in Brazil is not cutting. So maybe... Well, let me tell you that it's not just in Brazil that this is not cutting. So this is kind <laughs> of international. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the blog and adding, uh, creating a network on LinkedIn You know, they were really the foundation for my first business. Um, you asked me about Evolve, but the Evolve is actually my 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 third venture. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's a consulting business now with a, a clear path uh, for companies in the e-commerce space who want to uh, do international expansion. And we, we offer several services there. Uh, from uh, thought leadership, which could be like podcasting like we are doing here today, but also in a video format. So we help uh, e-com, you know, decision makers, mostly vendors to uh, to build their authority on LinkedIn. We, we help them uh, with a very, I would say, solid framework uh, for the decision makers and teams to be perceived as, as authorities in 
the topics that they're really good at, right? So we talk about customer pains, we talk about their views on the future of such and such and help them um, have a more solid presence on LinkedIn. Then we also support companies in the e-com space with events or online events, networking and creating alliances. And I figured that the, uh, so networking, thought leadership, um, um, alliances, or like, let's say community development. You know, if I just sum up, I guess even all your background, it's all about like network. It's all about content. It's also about like resiliency because you, you just came, you know, as a Brazilian to Europe, to Denmark. So as you said, you had to figure out like, how can I be impactful? Like, how can people actually find value in, in working with me, uh, into their, uh, you know, like with their, I would say like issues or like business problems, you know, that, uh, I can solve. So prior to this, uh, episode, we had the first talk and you chose uh, that topic of building influence in a new market in other terms, like how to go from invisible to visible or how to become somebody as a nobody in a new market. Why is this important to you? I think it goes back, first off, I think it goes back to how I felt when I arrived in Denmark and I felt invisible. I felt I was uh, no one. I felt I, was, I didn't have a network, so I was like, what am I going to do here? Uh, but why, why I think building influence is in a new market is important or it's something that matters to me. Because if you don't build your networks of influence and if you don't become visible in a certain market, first off, um, I think you're just going to be that same Joe like as any other one that is just sending cold emails as I was doing back when I arrived in Denmark. So I think it's very important to understand that in the new market, you're the new kid on the block and you need to be very respectful towards the people that you're trying to build those relationships with. There's a different, uh, there are different cultures uh, or cultural aspects to doing business abroad. There are uh, different ways of approaching people and that's massive learning. But I think at the end of the day, we are dealing with other human beings. So if we understand the human nature, the human nature of building relationships, you know, like uh, that humans are social animals, <laughs> I, I believe uh, we, we start in a, in a very good place. So uh, what, I, what I dream and what I... You know, I think my my passion and, and, and my purpose in this world is to help people connect at a deeper and more meaningful level, you know, just to, to get out of the surface and really to understand that there is always a human being uh, on the other side of the table. And that, yeah. You said, you said many important aspects of building relationships and connecting. And, you know, you mentioned cultural aspects because obviously... Um, You're not interacting the same way in a specific country and another one. You mentioned also different ways of approaching people. And I think we will dig into that. But let's maybe entangle a little bit everything and start by the beginning. So if I'm just giving you a scenario, let's say I'm a let's say I'm a SaaS entrepreneur um, and I have, you know, some a good footprint in my home market. And now I'm looking to expand into a foreign one. So a new market for me and for my company. 
how do I start building influence in a new market? Like, where should I start, right? Like, how do I meet the right people? Like, what's the, um, the best way of building influence? Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks for asking. And I don't know if there's one uh, silver bullet or one size fits all, but I really like the idea of first off uh, starting with research. And by research means the primary research. Uh, first, even 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 before research, I would ask myself, do I have leads, you know, or at least people interested in my service coming from that specific country and why? Why are they coming to my website? Why are they signing up? It's like a blog. People might sign up from the US, uh, you know, and, and or, or Romania, and then you just need to figure out why is it that they are signing up? So maybe establishing some conversations uh, with people like human beings uh, and say, hey, uh, thanks for, for signing up. And why did you actually, why, why did you actually sign up for, for this? You know, like trying to understand uh, what that, person is, is looking for not really selling but just like asking uh, having a, a, a conversation then I think it's important to uh, before investing heavy money in a market especially uh, thinking of SaaS when you're not necessarily heavily funded uh, doing primary research and I think there are tools here like for example uh, similar web you know, if you're a company, mm-hmm. so you can have a look at as their similar web and built with like these are technology companies that can give you an idea on what companies are using in a specific market. Uh, there's also another tool called, I love it, SparkToro that shows you um, who are the influencers, what podcast people are listening in that market, uh, what which YouTube channels are relevant, which sources of, let's call, influence in media people read in that market, uh, which decision makers eventually are relevant in that market. So you can start having a map, you know, uh, you start building this, this, this sort of building blocks and you start creating, it's like having a puzzle where you put the pieces together. So looking at built with, looking at uh, similar web, having a look at SparkToro, and I really, really like the idea of uh, doing a, a, like an exploratory trip and figuring out which trade shows are relevant in that country, in that market, uh, in your ecosystem. Because again, it all goes back to the ecosystem that you're trying to tap in. So you need to understand your ecosystem. You need to understand, let's say, if, if you're in e-commerce, I mean, uh, usually e-commerce vendors, they want to get to the brands, right? They want to sell to brands and they often want to sell to e-com directors or heads of marketing but you always need to remember that there is an ecosystem or a pre-existing ecosystem in place and you will learn about these ecosystems like uh, at a trade show you can do like a primary research just visiting a website and seeing who are the sponsors there and another thing I like seeing is is there a pattern like if you figure out more than one or two or four trade shows are the same sponsors sponsoring those trade shows because that gives you an uh, an indication that well these guys might be relevant in th- this market right so you can start like it's like pulling a thread where you find out about competition relevant country uh, relevant vendors in that market 
So that's that's the first aspect. But I, I also I also spoke about visiting the trade show because you can start building relationships in that market with the vendors. Okay. Yeah. So what I heard from what you just said is that at, I mean, as the very first steps, uh, what you recommend is first to look at just asking yourself, basically, do I have leads? Do I have people that are interested in that specific mm -hmm. market uh, for my service and why? So really having those qualitative conversations right mm -hmm. like going more into like a user research mode and not so much of a selling mode mm -hmm. which i really like because that's also something that i really believe in the second uh having i mean to do some prior uh, some primary research on the web so obviously you mentioned some tool similar web um spark heroes trying to map a little bit the ecosystem trying to understand who are the influencers uh, what uh, other competitors you might find it and third point you mentioned actually going there going to to trade show mm -hmm. to have a feel of what's going on because no matter the, the research uh, and no matter how much time you want to spend online you have to get a feel right and actually meet people and get uh, a feel of what's going on there and so trade shows are a great way to actually do it mm -hmm. That is correct. That would be, let's say, my, my first uh, step on building a market, a new market and a new okay. region. Um, should I continue? Yes. Okay. Step two then. <laughs> yeah. Step two. So let's say that you now have visited the trade show. You kind of have like a map. Uh, you know, you've outlined who are the main players, the, the, uh, some of the people at least that you saw talking, because uh, you will see local people, local players at the straight show, but you probably will see as well international speakers. But anyhow, it's interesting to see who's there. Um, the next step will be to um, to add those vendors. So you went to the trade show. I recommend uh, talking to all the vendors who are at the, this trade show and building relationships with the vendors present at the trade show. So you're going to go there. You will, you know, be polite. You will speak to them. You talk, you talk a little uh, a bit about your company and then you will add them on LinkedIn. Uh, always, of course, mentioning that you met at the trade show, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I recommend. So, yeah. Just adding a question here, Carlos. So you said to actually network with the vendors, uh -huh. vendors that are, do we agree that they are not supposed to be your direct competitors, right? Just like any kind of vendors. I, I, to be honest, I don't care if they're comp competitors or not, because depending on the size of your business, and I learned uh, that from a major e-commerce platform that I work for and a founder, he said, it's not about competition. Maybe we can buy them. Maybe we can do a joint venture. So it's about the ecosystem. Uh, you know, so I think it's about being open to uh, building relationships and talking to people. And eventually people are going to say, because I heard that, Uh, in, in Romania once from a competitor said, but I'm a competitor. Why did you invite me to your event? I said, because uh -huh. we want to build relationships, you know, like that's it. And eventually maybe you could be acquired, but some people or, or we could do a JV here, you know, so it depends on, on, on who's listening. But I think it's, um, it's a great learning for me that it, it doesn't really matter whether, whether you're a competitor, they might try to sort of withhold information But it's just like you're trying to build an, uh, a relationship there, especially because people move companies. Sorry, <laughs> but people move, you know. Of course. But what I mean is, okay, you start having this conversation with the vendors there. Then how do you leverage that, right, afterwards? Yeah, so uh, again, so once you add them on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is a, is a great place to start giving you clues, 
um, LinkedIn will start suggesting more people in their network, you know, like because once you start building that network with the local vendors, then you start seeing that they're connected to other people and potentially your customers. So that's how you start building your, let's say, your base. Uh, is, and, and I recommend that not for every SaaS software. I think that's important also to mention. And again, that goes back to my, this is not a one size fits all approach, uh, mm-hmm. but high ACV, long complex sales cycle, uh, like an e-commerce platform, especially if you go, uh, I won't go into uh, like microservices or, you know, like open source, like highly complex projects. Uh, I mean, they take maybe six months to a year to happen. So these are very complex uh, projects that require uh, software integrators, require, uh, there's an ecosystem in place. Uh, and, and so you need to build this, those relationships. So when you start, when you go to the show, and add those vendors, they are usually connected to your ideal clients. Uh-huh. And, and then you start having an opportunity to uh, both start having that visibility, uh, becoming a second degree connection on LinkedIn from your yeah. uh, and customers, but also um, um, having some sort of, of presence, which I'll talk about then in my next step, uh, okay. which Cause... is, yeah. Yeah, just because yeah, uh, when I when I'm hearing you, then I'm just trying to understand. Okay, you connect with other vendors. Obviously, you have some some potential prospects that are part of your ideal customer profile ICP mm-hmm. that start becoming your second degree connection on LinkedIn. But mm-hmm. then, how do you leverage that? Right? Like, do you do you just like reach out to them? Do you you know do you invite them? Yeah. So I th- I, th- I think there are ways of going about that, and I. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of, again, uh, in, in long sales cycles, uh, projects, um, one way is to reach out to them and invite them for an event, a proprietary okay. event that you're going to do, like a dinner, like something where you're going to get, you're going to usually offer some interesting, relevant content that is not a big pitch, but you also be able to pitch your company and say, hey, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. But another way to go about it is finding local consultants who are connected. And these local consultants, usually I like, I wrote a post one day on LinkedIn saying that you have the prima donna sort of uh, partners that you want to partner with. But since you're no one, <laughs> you know, and I'm being very, very gross in my uh, um, statement here, um, but you're going to be invisible. And, and, and the prima donna partners, they might, they tend to ignore you. But then you have the local consultants and small boutique ones, which usually are former heads of these guys uh, or gals. Uh, they, they used to be heads of marketing, heads of e-com, maybe uh-huh. CMOs. They are now consultants. They are now doing their own gig. They are a great way for you to... Um, to start those very valuable relationships because they are known in the market, they are influential, they have the respect, and now they're doing their thing. So they could be a really interesting way for you to get um, in a new market with some really interesting cases with uh, with someone that is already respected in that market. Does that make sense? 
It does. So just to sum up what you just said, basically, like that's, I would say, if I call it like the third, like big step is actually reaching out. So you mentioned that you can either ask local consultants, which you, which you just say, or, you know, if you want, if you talk about like those like second degree connection that you just made because you, you know, you created a network with the vendors you met at the event, then you can try to reach out as well to those second degree connection to invite them to an event. But I just wanted to come back to that point you made with local consultants. If we are like very concrete now, do you have some example of how you reach out to them? Like what do you write, right? Like uh, in, in LinkedIn, like how do you get precisely their interest? Sure, sure thing. So again, I think it's, um, you can be straightforward. Hey, this is me and I work for a company such and such. I checked your LinkedIn profile and find it, uh, find your experience really interesting, especially what you've done in the past at such, such and such. I watched a video of yours and my company uh, is trying to explore, uh, is looking to explore your market, would love to have a conversation. That would be approach number one. Approach number two is, hey, uh, my name is such and such. We are creating a a, a content channel. That's, that's something I've, uh, if you have a look at the e-commerce group show, um, we, we, we still do it extensively. Uh, I have one of the largest e-com, it became the largest, one of the largest e-com, uh, e-commerce vlogcasts in the world. Now we have 9,000 downloads and we would love to feature you there. Um, mm. you know, we are creating a global community of such and such. Would you like to be part of that? It's uh, it's a long play, but once you got that, you, you got that community, then they see the value in networking. They see the value in in, in international relationships, they see a lot of value. Uh, that would be another way. Um, yeah, I, I, I try always to focus on the content first approach. So, mm-hmm. hey, uh, the other an, another thing is um, creating some content about uh, your market. And I would love to feature people like you in our blog or in, in whatever our channel uh, and would be delighted to connecting so, yeah, I, I would go about these uh, three approaches being that two of them are, are content-based and the other one is very straightforward when talking okay. to consultants. Um, but it's important re- to remember that people, they have egos and this is, this, this is coming from experience. So when you talk to a consultant that used to be a former head of and blah, 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 you, uh, I won't say usually, but uh, often it happened with me that they can be skeptical. So it's important to leverage either the CEO of your company or some, you know, big ass person with a big Mm -hmm. title. So they respect that because if you're coming there with your good intentions only, they tend not to, uh, in my experience, you you could be ignored. So it's very important to leverage titles in this world. So because unfortunately people uh, respect titles and I think it's sad but uh, that's the way it is uh, in, in many occasions. I don't know if you... Yeah, I completely agree. I think it also depends on the market. But for instance, if I'm talking about the US market, like there are a lot like that. Yeah. Uh, unless VP. you are like the CEO or VP. Yeah, how many like, VPs? <laughs> exactly, how many VPs everywhere. So uh, yeah, it's it's very important, in especially in some specific market that, that this happened. I, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I just reached out and obviously the local consultants accepted for instance right with a, a direct approach to talk to me now how do i leverage that that person yeah so i think i i really believe in um there are a few things i mean you can offer the consultant a partnership 
you say, be very straightforward and say, hey, this is what we're looking for. We, we would love to have you as a partner. You need to, you know, then you introduce your software, do demos and have a conversation, which is more, um, let's say, money orientated. But also, I believe it's important to give that partner a bit more. So what I like doing is to uh, leveraging those consultants and um, offering content and turning them into superstars in their country, you know, uh, leveraging them as a brand and saying, hey, we can turn you into a like uh, we can help you have more visibility if that is important for you, you know. Uh, you can eventually run a podcast in our country. Uh, if you have a podcast, that's one of the things that we, we've been doing with the e-commerce growth show. So in the U.S., um, I have found and partnered with Scott Eamon. Scott built Neiman Marcus. Because if I, was, if I were to go there and approach North American brands, they wouldn't look at me. And I tried. So uh, I've, I, I happened to partner with Scott. Neiman Marcus, he, he built the innovation lab at Neiman Marcus. It's one of the probably most respected luxury retailers in the U.S. And it's a lot easier if I said, hey, Scott, this is a script you can share. And yeah, invite some people and we have them over, you know, on, on our show. So helping them have visibility, it's, it's a great way to, to, um, to build influence in the market. So very interesting what you said. This second point, I think it's very powerful, but I think it just means that as a startup, for instance, I would have to create a strong medium, right? Because you can't really promote or offer promotion to that, I would say, um, uh, local consultants if you don't have a strong medium to actually promote them, right? Uh, yeah, but you can always promote them. I think they're, let's say, low-cost mediums, a podcast like you're doing. And of course, it's it's not as trivial. You might need some some kind of infrastructure, small one. You can always use Fiverr, or you know, mm. <clears throat> but you you can definitely um, agree on creating a content channel for them. And I think again, yes, it depends on on the budget. So we spoke. So we spoke about like. Um deciding on the kind of agreement, right, that we have uh, with those people that we reach out to. So you mentioned partnership, leverage them a little bit as a brand using some medium that uh, that the startup, you know, should like create a so podcast, etc. Once this agreement is done, I I'm guessing so the partnership or whatever is kind of sealed. So it's part of your network. Like how do you leverage those people in the long run, right? Because at some point it's good to start, but the network, it's something that you have to nurture over time. So how do you how do you manage right to like create this this community and to make sure that all the relationship you create day one they don't fade away after two or three months because you just don't speak to that person anymore? I really like <clears throat> Slack is one way or um, just an email list. I think it's it's the, the 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 easiest way. I I have my contacts mostly on WhatsApp, so that's something we use a lot in Brazil. Every time I, uh, and even for Evolve, I told you uh, what we're doing at Evolve, we're building ambassadors for Evolve in the world of commerce. So mm -hmm. I partner with former heads of, or still heads of uh, brands, and we help them become thought leaders. And then I have direct access to their WhatsApp and email, you know, um, or even LinkedIn. Uh, so I, I'm building that uh, in global markets, in, in the markets where our, our clients usually operate. Um, and I, I, I like to have that direct line. 
to uh, towards these uh, thought leaders. So either WhatsApp, I think uh, Slack is is great, but it can be a bit more complex. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, or or just email. Okay, so building some kind of newsletter where you loop in like everyone and just like keep yeah. everyone uh, informed of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Just trying to sum up what you what you said. I know, and we agree that there's no one size fits all solution for everyone. But there was like some interesting points. So the first, I would say, for you step, uh, you know, to try to build this influence in a new market is to build this ecosystem, like the map, right, of this ecosystem mm-hmm. with some research, qualitative interviews, and obviously uh, some uh, exploration of what trade shows are interesting for you to be part of. The second is to actually meet people, especially vendors that you mentioned, because thanks to this connection, you're going to be able to have access to your potential target markets uh, because you're going to be connected through second degree relationship on LinkedIn. And third point is to actually reaching out to people on LinkedIn. So you mentioned local consultant, which I think is a, a great idea. You also mentioned that to to that you can reach out to the second degree relationship by inviting them to even that you organize or just creating content, uh, you know, like for, for people to actually promote uh, them. Fourth, I would say, is to decide what kind of agreement you want to have with the people that actually connect and are interested in being part of your network. Could be partnership, could be leveraging them as a brand. And I would say the fifth and the last step is nurturing them uh, over time. So you mentioned WhatsApp, Slack, or just emailing list to really keep them warm and have them part of your community that you can leverage at some point when you see fit, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is that a good sum up of what you just said? That is that is a very good sum up. But again, this is not the only way. I think you could also create content and sponsor on LinkedIn ads as long as you understand your ICP mm-hmm. and, and you need to, 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 to test that. And, and, and you could do that on a country basis. Again, thinking of an ecosystem, maybe you can do some creative stuff and use LinkedIn. That's another way of going about it. Uh, doing some really nice uh, different ads, or you gotta test it out. I, I I have no idea, you know. Like, but I, of I think course. I think it's great. I I see uh, a partner of ours doing some amazing work on LinkedIn with LinkedIn ads. So I think <clears throat> there are multiple ways. It's great what you just mentioned. I think building a network is very important, but we know it takes time to actually get um, our efforts to friction uh, to to friction. Sorry, and any entrepreneurs, what they want is also fast uh, ROI, it's fast revenue. So how should we balance this, uh, this out with other outbound activities or other ways to, to reaching out? Because you and I, we know, right? Like it's going to take months before you actually manage to do business uh, with uh, any of your target audience. Yeah, that is correct. And I the, the uh, I was sharing a small story from a customer, from a, 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 the only job I had in Denmark. And I think first off, setting priorities and understanding why. And you really need to be tough with the CEO sometimes that, you know, that they think they know, but they, you need to, to ask the hard questions. Why, are we, why do you want to go there? Is it the ego or what, what is it? So setting priorities and understanding why are we trying to expand into the Dutch market, which was my case, and then understanding, okay, in, in my case, it was mostly focused on partnerships. So you need to understand like, right, so the partners, and I think it's 
we're going to go to the, in my case, the content game. So setting the expl explanation, you will need to have those relational uh, sort of approach, but also is the company also willing to invest in, 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 in marketing? Uh, and in our case, we were dependent on a CMS. So we were a platform that depended on another ecosystem. That so, just for, so just for the, um, um, the people who are listening to us, CMS means content management system. Correct, correct. So we were depending on a content management system or actually two others, you know. Mm -hmm. So the company needed to focus more on education, meaning content marketing for potentially the customers of the CMS who were not ready to buy, but they needed to have commerce in their let's say, um, you know, consideration. So when they thought commerce, they thought of us. But again, I would start with, are we ready to go to this market? And why uh, are we going to this market? You know, because it might, again, uh, it's, it's like the chicken and the egg discussion. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard one, that one. And um, I think as first off, I would ask, I, I would ask, I would start by asking questions. Uh, if we really need to go to that market, uh, what are the indicatives of going to that market? And is the company willing to invest in, uh, you know, paid ads and support that eventually with, you know, with um, a more long-term sort of approach, which is the outbound and all the other content things that I was, I was talking about. And so how soon, how soon should I expect to get some revenue in. I'm trying uh, to push a little bit there, but you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I think I would be <laughs> irresponsible to give you an answer. I have no idea about sales cycles. Uh, <laughs> I think it depends, right? Uh, I think what I can tell you for sure, in, from my experience is, it, is, that it, is that it takes you from anywhere from three to six months to build a network. That's, mm -hmm. that's my experience. Three to six months just to start building a network, you know, understanding the ecosystem. And from there, Maybe you're lucky. Maybe you find someone who's going to bring you revenue in six months, three months. But I don't know about your sales cycle, you know, so I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, this is I think this is what is really tricky. Building a network takes time and it's going to pay off. But uh, probably and that's also uh, my takeaway from what you just said is that you need to not put all your eggs in the same basket and have like different approaches so that at some point you can maybe try to have um, other channels that you use to have a, uh, some short-term revenue coming in. And, you know, with that network that you're actually building, it's going to pay off, but it's going to take a little bit more time. But once it starts to pay, it's going to pay big time. So that's, uh, that's perhaps like how, if you want to diversify your way of approaching, you can perhaps look at it this way. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good and healthy way of looking at <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Carlos, that was very interesting. Thank you so much for all your insight about how you would go uh, to build a network in a new market uh, if you are a nobody. I want to move to the last section that's common to every episode in this podcast. It's the Oops, My Bad Time. Whoops. My bad. So for those who tune in the first time, the Oops, My Bad Time is a time at the end where the guests actually share a setback that has occurred or some mistakes that they've, that they've done during a country's opening mission. So Carlos, do you have perhaps a precise example to share with us uh, about 
any any related event to approaching a, a, a new market where you perhaps messed up that mm -hmm. we can learn from? Uh, <laughs> I think I have a few, but uh, something funny came to mind here. Um, so I was I had to open this Dutch market, and I was super excited about this opportunity I had. And my first task in this company was to visit this event that a company here from Denmark, and I, I will mention their name, I don't care. Uh, their name is Umbraco. It's a mm -hmm. content management system well-known in the space. So I, they, they were doing an event in the Netherlands, you know, and so I started building my network. I already had this playbook and I was using some LinkedIn automation. What I didn't realize was that I, I sent a message to the founder of Umbraco uh, okay. and to a lot of companies, people joining this event saying, um, what was it? I, I So I said, oh yeah. So I misspelled the company I was working for was called WooCommerce, WooCommerce. Uh -huh. And then I mentioned, and, and then I, I misspelled that. So I, 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 I said, hey, you know, John Doe, this is Carlos and I'm with Umbraco. I'm writing to tell you that I'm joining the Umbraco event and I would be delighted to see you there. But I sent that message to the founder of Umbraco. Ah. And, and that was my first day on the job. Actually, I hadn't started officially. So this guy calls my CEO at the time and says, I just got this message from this funny guy. And he says he's working with Umbraco, you know, and uh, what's going on, man? <laughs> and uh, that was that was a that was a big lesson uh, about about automation. Uh, that that was that that's one of the lessons I I, I made other mistakes as well. Um, but that was a funny one. Uh, you know, when I got at the event, I I spoke to him and I apologized, and he was just laughing really hard. And uh, well, that's that was good. It. <laughs> so you kept your job, which is what matters. And at some point you learn from it is that, yeah, it's good to do uh, some automation, but uh, make sure that uh, your your target audience actually does fit and that you personalize the content that you send out. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for all your insights today. Um, I hope that uh, you're going to have a good time as well, like in, in, in Denmark. I know you're, you're a little bit jet-lagged from uh, your trip back to Brazil. And, uh, <laughs> and I hope everyone could learn from you. I know that I did. And I just have to tell you until next time then. Until uh, next time. Thanks for having me. And yeah, see you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon. <laughs>